Hello and welcome to the Sports with Loot podcast. Today, I'll be taking a look at the career of Sandy Koufax. I'll talk about his Hall of Fame career in Brooklyn and LA and why the secret number of the day is five. Enjoy the show. Sanford Koufax was born in Brooklyn, New York to a Jewish family and raised in Borough Park. Koufax attended Brooklyn's Lafayette High School where he was better known for basketball than for baseball. At the time, school sports were not available because New York teachers were refusing to supervise extracurricular activities without monetary compensation. As an alternative, Koufax started playing basketball for the local community center. Eventually, Lafayette had a basketball team, and Koufax became the team captain in his senior year and ranked second in his division in scoring, with 165 points in 10 games. In 1951, at the age of 15, Sandy also joined a local youth baseball league, known as the Ice Cream League. He started out as a left-handed catcher before moving to first base. While playing first base for Lafayette High School's baseball team, he was spotted by Milt Lowry, the father of two Lafayette teammates and a baseball coach. Lowry recognized that Koufax might be able to pitch and recruited the 17-year-old Koufax to pitch for the Coney Island Sports League Park Views. Koufax later attended the University of Cincinnati and was a walk-on to the freshman basketball team, a complete unknown to the coach Ed Jucker. Which, quick note on Ed Jucker, he's a legendary basketball coach at the University of Cincinnati. He won back-to-back titles in 61 and 62, and he has the best winning percentage in the NCAA tournament of all time. Koufax later earned a partial scholarship. In spring of 54, he made the college baseball varsity team. In his only season, Koufax went 3-1 with a 2.81 ERA, 51 strikeouts and 30 walks, and 32 innings. A scout for the Brooklyn Dodgers had a glowing report that apparently was filed and forgotten. After trying out with the New York Giants at the Polo Grounds, Koufax did the same for the Pittsburgh Pirates at Forbes Field. During his Pirates tryout, Sandy's fastball broke the thumb of San Naren, the team's bullpen coach. Branch Rickey, the general manager of the Pirates, told his scout that Koufax was the greatest arm he had ever seen. The Pirates, however, failed to offer Koufax a contract until after he was already committed to the Dodgers. The Dodger scouts heard about Koufax from a local sporting goods store owner. After seeing Koufax pitch for Lafayette, they invited him to an Ebbets Field tryout. With Dodgers manager Walter Alston and scouting director Fresco Thompson watching, Campanis assumed the hitter stance while Koufax started throwing. He later said, There are two times in my life the hair on my arms had stood up. The first time I saw the ceiling of the Sistine Chapel, and the second time I saw Sandy Koufax throw a fastball. The Dodgers signed Koufax for a $6,000 salary with a $14,000 signing bonus. Sandy planned to use the money as tuition to finish his university education if his baseball career failed. Because Sandy's signing bonus was greater than $4,000, he was known as the bonus baby. This forced the Dodgers to keep him on the Major League roster for at least two years before he could be sent down to the minors. To make room for him, the Dodgers optioned their future Hall of Fame manager Tommy Lasorda to the Montreal Royals of the International League. Lasorda would later joke that it took Koufax to keep him off the Dodger pitching staff. Koufax made his major league debut on June 24, 1955 against the Milwaukee Braves, with the Dodgers trailing 7-1 in the fifth inning. Johnny Logan, the first batter Koufax faced, hit a bloop single. Eddie Matthews bunted and Koufax threw a ball into the center field. He then walked Hank Aaron on four pitches to load the bases, but struck out Bobby Thompson on a 3-2 fastball. Koufax's first start was on July 6th. He lasted only four and two-thirds inning, giving up eight walks. He did not start again for almost two months, but on August 27th, Koufax threw a two-hit, 7-0 complete game shutout against the Reds for his first Major League win. Koufax threw 41 and two-thirds inning in 12 appearances that season, striking out 30 batters and walking 28. He had two wins in 1955, which were both shutouts. During the fall, he enrolled in Columbia University School of General Studies, which offered night classes in architecture. The Dodgers won the 1955 World Series for the first time in franchise history, but Koufax did not appear in the series. After the final out of Game 7, Koufax drove to Columbia to attend class. 
The year 1956 was not very different from 1955 for Sandy. Despite the blazing speed of his fastball, Koufax continued to struggle with his control. He saw little work, pitching only 58 innings with a 4.91 ERA, 29 walks, and 30 strikeouts. When Sandy allowed base runners, he was rarely permitted to finish the inning. Jackie Robinson, in his final season, clashed with Alston on Koufax's usage. Robinson saw that Koufax was talented and he had flashes of brilliance and objected to Koufax being benched for weeks at a time. To prepare for the 1957 season, the Dodgers sent Koufax to Puerto Rico to play winter ball. On May 15th, the restriction on sending Koufax down to the minors was lifted. Alston gave him a chance to justify his place on the Major League roster by giving him the next day's start, facing the Chicago Cubs at Wrigley Field. Koufax struck out 13 while pitching his first complete game in almost two years. For the first time in his career, he was in the starting rotation, but only for two weeks. Despite winning three of his next five with a 2.9 ERA, Koufax did not get another start for 45 days. In that start, he struck out 11 in seven innings but got a no decision. On September 29th, Koufax became the last man to pitch for the Brooklyn Dodgers before their move to Los Angeles by throwing an inning of relief in the final game of the season. Over the next three seasons, Koufax was in and out of the Dodgers starting rotation due to injuries. In 1958, he began 7-3 but sprained his ankle in a collision at first base, finishing the season at 11-11 and leading the NL in wild pitches. In June of 59, Koufax set the record for a night game with 16 strikeouts. On August 31st of 59, he surpassed his career high with 18 strikeouts, setting the NL record and tying Bob Feller's major league record for strikeouts in one game. In 1959, the Dodgers won a close pennant race against the Braves and the Giants. Then they beat the Chicago White Sox in the World Series. Koufax pitched two perfect relief innings in the series opener, though they came after the Dodgers were already behind 11-0. Alston gave him the start in the fifth game at the Los Angeles Coliseum in front of 92,000 fans. Koufax allowed only one run in seven innings but lost the 1-0 game when Nellie Fox scored on a double play. Returning to Chicago, the Dodgers won the sixth game and the series. In early 1960, Koufax asked Dodgers GM Buzzy Bavasi to trade him because he was not getting enough playing time. By the end of the 1960 season, after going 8-13, Koufax was thinking about quitting baseball to devote himself to an electronics business that he had invested in. After the last game of the season, he threw his gloves and spikes into the trash. The clubhouse supervisor retrieved the equipment to return to Koufax for the following year, or to somebody else if Koufax had actually not returned. Sandy tried one more year of baseball and showed up for the 1961 season in better condition than he had previous years. Years later, he recalled, that winter was when I really started to work out. I started running more. I decided I was really going to find out how good I could be. During spring training, Dodger scout Kenny Myers discovered a hitch in Koufax's windup. He would rear back so far that his vision was obstructed and he could not see the target. A day later, Koufax was pitching for the B team in Orlando. One of his teammates missed the flight, so Koufax was told that he would need to pitch at least seven innings. In the first inning, Koufax walked the bases loaded on 12 straight pitches. Catcher Norm Sherry advised Koufax to throw slightly less hard in order to improve his control. The advice worked as Sandy struck out the side, going on to pitch seven no-hit innings. It was the beginning of Koufax's breakout season. Posting an 18-13 record for the Dodgers, Koufax led the league with 269 strikeouts, breaking Christy Mathewson's 58-year-old NL mark of 267. Koufax was selected as an all-star for the first time. In 1962, the Dodgers moved from the LA Coliseum, which had a 250-foot left-field line, to pitcher-friendly Dodger Stadium. 
The new park had a large foul territory and a comparatively poor hitting background. Koufax was an immediate beneficiary of the change, lowering his home ERA from 4.29 to 1.75. On June 30th against the expansion New York Mets, Koufax threw his first no-hitter. In the first inning of that game, Sandy struck out three batters on nine pitches to become the sixth National League pitcher and the 11th pitcher in Major League history to accomplish an immaculate inning. With a no-hitter, a 4-2 record, 73 strikeouts, and a 1.23 ERA for June, he was named the Major League Baseball Player of the Month. It would be the only time in his career he earned the distinction. Koufax had a strong season despite an injured pitching hand. While batting in April, Koufax had been jammed by a pitch. A numbness developed in Koufax's index finger on his left hand, and the finger became cold and white. Koufax was pitching better than ever, however, so he ignored the problem, hoping that the condition would clear up. By July, though, his entire hand was becoming numb and he was unable to complete some games. In a start in Cincinnati, his fingers split open after one inning. A vascular specialist determined that Koufax had a crushed artery in his palm. Ten days of experimental medicine successfully reopened the artery. Koufax finally was able to pitch again in September, when the team was locked in a tight pennant race with the Giants. But after the long layoffs, Koufax was ineffective in three appearances as the Giants caught the Dodgers at the end of the regular season, forcing a three-game playoff. The night before the National League playoffs began, the manager asked Koufax if he could start the first game the next day. With an overworked pitching staff, there was no one else, as Don Drysdale and Johnny Podres had pitched the prior two days. Sandy obliged. He later said, I had nothing at all. He was knocked out in the second inning after giving up home runs to the Hall of Famer Willie Mays and Jim Davenport. After winning the second game of the series, the Dodgers blew a 4-2 lead in the ninth inning of the deciding third game, losing the pennant. The top pitchers of the era, Don Drysdale, Juan Marichal, Jim Bunning, Bob Gibson, Warren Svahn, and above all, Colfax, significantly reduced the walks-given-up-to-batters-faced ratio for 1963 and subsequent years. On May 11th, Koufax no-hit the San Francisco Giants 8-0, besting future Hall of Famer pitcher Juan Marichal, himself a no-hit pitcher a month later on June 15th. Koufax carried a perfect game into the 8th inning against a powerful Giants lineup, including future Hall of Famers Willie Mays, Willie McCovey, and Orlando Cepeda. He walked Ed Bailey on a 3-2 pitch in the 8th and pinch hitter McCovey on 4 pitches in the ninth before closing out the game. As the Dodgers won the pennant, Koufax won the pitcher's triple crown, leading the league in wins, strikeouts, and ERA. Koufax threw 11 shutouts, setting a post-1900 record for shutouts by a left-handed pitcher that stands to this day. Only Bob Gibson, who's a right-hander, has thrown more shutouts since and that was in 1968, the year of the pitcher. Koufax won the NL MVP award and was the first ever unanimous selection for the Cy Young Award. Facing the Yankees in the 1963 World Series, Koufax beat Whitey Ford 5-2 in Game 1 and struck out 15 batters, including the first five. After seeing Koufax's Game 1 performance, Yogi Berra said, I can see how he won 25 games. What I don't understand is how he lost five. To which Maury Willis responded, he didn't, we lost them for him. In Game 4, Koufax completed the Dodgers' series sweep with a 2-1 victory over Ford, clinching the series' MVP award for his performance. Koufax's 1964 season started with a great expectation. On April 18th, he struck out three batters on nine pitches in the third inning of a 3-0 loss to the Cincinnati Reds, becoming the only National Leaguer to have two immaculate innings. On April 22nd, however, he felt something let go in his arm. Sandy ended up getting three quarter zone shots for a sore elbow and missed three starts. On June 4th, playing at Connie Mack Stadium against the Phillies, Sandy walked Richie Allen on a very close full count pitch in the fourth inning. Allen, who was thrown out trying to steal second base, was the only Philly to reach base that day. With his third no-hitter in three years, Koufax became only the second pitcher of the modern era after Bob Feller to pitch three no-hitters.
Sandy jammed his pitching arm in August while diving back to second base to beat a pickoff throw. He managed to pitch and win two more games. However, the morning after his 19th win, a shutout in which he struck out 13 batters, he could not straighten his arm. He was diagnosed with traumatic arthritis. With the Dodgers out of the pennant race, the book was closed on Koufax and his 19-5 record. The 1965 season brought more obstacles for Koufax. On March 31st, the morning after pitching a complete spring training game, Sandy awoke to find that his entire left arm was black and blue from hemorrhaging. Sandy returned to Los Angeles to consult with a physician who advised Sandy that he would be lucky to be able to pitch once a week. He also told Sandy that he would eventually lose full use of his arm. Sandy agreed not to throw at all between games, a resolution that only lasted one start. To get himself through the games he pitched in, Koufax used a lot of drugs. He resorted to Emperin with codeine for the pain, which he took every night and sometimes during the fifth inning. Despite the constant pain in his pitching elbow, Koufax pitched 335 innings and led the Dodgers to another pennant. He finished the year with winning the second pitcher's triple crown, leading the league in wins, ERA, and strikeouts. Sandy captured his second unanimous Cy Young award. He held batters to 5.79 hits per nine innings and allowed the fewest base runners per nine innings in any season ever, 7.83, breaking his own record, setting two years earlier, of 7.96. Sandy had 11-game winning streaks in both 64 and 65. On September 9th of 65, Sandy became the sixth pitcher of the modern era and eighth overall to throw a perfect game, the first by a left-hander since 1880. The game was Koufax's fourth no-hitter, setting a major league record, which was later broke by Nolan Ryan in 1981. He struck out 14 batters at the time, the most recorded in a perfect game, which now is tied by Matt Cain in 2012. The game also featured a quality performance by the opposing pitcher, Bob Headley of the Cubs. Headley pitched a one-hitter and allowed only two batters to reach base. Both pitchers had no hitters intact until the seventh inning. This remains the only nine-inning Major League game where the teams combined for just one hit. The game's only run was scored by the Dodgers was unearned. The Dodger run was scored without a recorded at-bat when Lou Johnson walked, reached second base on a sacrifice bunt, stole third, and scored when the throw to get him out at third went wild. Koufax garnered headlines by declining to pitch Game 1 of the World Series because of his observance to the Jewish religious holiday of Yom Kippur. This decision garnered national attention as an example of conflict between professional pressures and personal religious beliefs. Don Drysdale pitched the opener, but was hit hard by Harmon Kilibru and the Minnesota Twins. In Game 2, Koufax pitched six innings, giving up two runs, and the Twins won the game 5-1 and took an early 2-0 lead in the series. The Dodgers fought back in Game 3 and 4 with wins by Claude Osteen and Drysdale. With the series tied at 2-2, Koufax pitched a complete game shutout in Game 5 for a 3-2 Dodgers lead as the series returned to Minnesota's Metropolitan Stadium for Game 6. The Twins won Game 6 to force the 7th game. Starting Game 7 on just two days rest, Koufax pitched through fatigue and arthritic pain. Despite giving up on his curveball early in the game after failing to throw strikes with it in the first two innings and pitching the rest of the game relying almost entirely on fastballs, Koufax threw a three-hit shutout to clinch the series. The performance earned him his second World Series MVP award. He was awarded the Sports Illustrated Magazine Sportsman of the Year award. Before the 1966 season began, Koufax and Drysdale met separately with Dodgers GM Buzzy Bavesi to negotiate their contracts for the upcoming year. After Sandy's meeting, he met Drysdale for dinner and complained that Bavesi was using Drysdale against him in the negotiations, asking how come you want that much when Drysdale only wants this much. Drysdale responded that Bavesi did the same thing with him, using Koufax against him. Drysdale's wife suggested that they negotiated together and get what they wanted. They demanded $1 million, which was equal to $7.7 million today, divided equally over the next three years, or $167,000 each for each of the next three seasons. Both players were represented by an entertainment lawyer, J. Williams Hayes, which was unusual during an era when players were not represented by anyone. 
At the time, Willie Mays was the highest paid player at $125,000 per year, and multi-year contracts were very unusual. Sandy and Drysdale did not report to spring training in February. Instead, they both signed to appear in the movie Warning Shot, starring David Jansen. Meanwhile, the Dodgers waged a public relations battle against them. After four weeks, Koufax gave Drysdale the go-ahead to negotiate new deals for both of them. Koufax ended up getting $125,000 and Drysdale $110,000. They rejoined the team in the last week of spring training. In April of 66, the team physician told Koufax it was time to retire and his arm could not take another season. Koufax kept that advice to himself and he went out every fourth day to pitch. He ended up pitching 323 innings, a 27-9 record, and a 1.73 ERA. Since then, no left-hander had more wins nor lower ERA in the season. In the final game of the regular season, the Dodgers had to beat the Phillies to win the pennant. In the second game of a doubleheader, Koufax faced Jim Bunning for the second time that season in a matchup between perfect game winners. Koufax, on two days rest, pitched a complete game, winning 6-3 to clinch the pennant. He started 41 games for the second year in a row. Only two left-handers started as many games in any season over the ensuing years through 2018. The Dodgers went on to face the Baltimore Orioles in the World Series, and Game 2 marked Koufax's third start in eight days. He pitched well enough. Baltimore's first baseman, Boog Powell, told Koufax biographer Jane Levy he might have been hurting, but he was bringing. But three errors by the Dodgers center fielder Willie Davis in the fifth inning produced three unearned runs. Baltimore's 20-year-old Jim Palmer pitched a four-header, and the Orioles won 6-0. Alston lifted Koufax at the end of the sixth inning with the idea of getting him extra rest before a potential fifth game, but it never happened. The Dodgers were swept in four games, not scoring a single run in the last three. Less than six weeks later, Sandy announced his retirement due to his arthritic condition on Friday, November 18, 1966. In his 12-season career, Koufax had a 165-87 record with a 2.76 ERA, 2,396 strikeouts, 137 complete games, and 40 shutouts. He was the first pitcher to average fewer than 7 hits allowed per 9 innings pitched in his career, and to strike out more than 9 batters per 9 innings pitched in his career. He also became the second pitcher in baseball history to have two games with 18 or more strikeouts and the first to have eight games with 15 or more strikeouts. In his last 10 seasons from 1957 to 66, batters hit 203 against Koufax with a 271 on-base percentage and a 315 slugging average. Sandy's postseason record is impressive, a 4-3-1 loss record with a 0.95 ERA in four World Series. It's time for the secret number of the day. The secret number of the day is an obscure or interesting fact from Sandy's career. Today's secret number is 5 and it takes us to his career totals. Sandy is on the very short list of pitchers who retired with more career strikeouts than innings pitched. 1 of 5. And he was the first pitcher to do it. And what a list this is. Trevor Hoffman, Randy Johnson, Pedro Martinez, Nolan Ryan, and Sandy Koufax. Sandy was selected as an All-Star for six consecutive seasons and made seven out of eight All-Star game appearances those seasons. Koufax was the first pitcher to win multiple Cy Young awards, as well as the first pitcher to win a Cy Young award by unanimous vote. He is also the only pitcher to win three Cy Young awards in the era in which the award was presented to one pitcher across the board, 
rather than one in each major league, and one of three Dodgers pitchers to win the one across the board Cy Young. Each of Koufax's three Cy Young awards were by unanimous vote. Koufax and Juan Marichal are the only two pitchers in the post-war era, which is 1946 to now, to have more than one 25-win season, with each pitcher recording three. Among NL pitchers with at least 2,000 innings pitched who have debuted since 1913 and have already retired, he has the highest career winning percentage, which is 655, and had the lowest career ERA, 276, until surpassed by Tom Seaver, whose NL career mark is 2.73. While Seaver ended his career with an overall career ERA of 2.86, this included three seasons in the American League. Seaver passed Koufax's mark in 1974 when he ended the season with more than 2,000 NL innings and an ERA of 2.47. Among retired pitchers, Koufax is currently second on the list of overall career ERA in the live ball era, surpassed only by Whitey Ford. However, among active pitchers, fellow Dodger Clayton Kershaw has a 2.39 ERA and over 2,000 innings pitched through the end of the 2018 season. Kershaw also has a higher winning percentage, 689 through the end of the 2018 season. Through 2010, among Jewish pitchers, he was first all-time in career strikeouts, second in wins in ERA, and seventh in games pitched among Jewish Major League Baseball players. Whereas many pitchers throw with a three-quarter or sidearm motion, Sandy threw with a pronounced over-the-top arm action. This may have increased his velocity, but reduced the lateral movement of his pitches, especially movement away from left-handed hitters. Most of his velocity came from his strong legs and back, combined with a high kicking windup and long forward stretch toward the plate. Throughout his career, Koufax relied mostly on two pitches. His four-seam fastball gave batters the impression of rising as it approached them due to underspin. It not only appeared to move very late, but also might move two or three distinct times. His overhand curveball spun with the middle finger dropping vertically 12 to 24 inches due to his arm action. Rob Nyer called it the best curveball of all time. He also occasionally threw a changeup and a forkball. At the beginning of his career, Koufax worked with coaches to eliminate his tendencies to tip pitches. Late in his career, and especially as his arm problems continued, this variation, usually in the position he held his hands with at the top of the windup, became even more pronounced. Good hitters could often predict what the pitch was coming, but were still unable to hit it. In 1967, Koufax signed a 10-year contract with NBC for $1 million to be a broadcaster on the Saturday game of the week. He quit after six years just prior to the start of the 73 season. In his first year of eligibility in 1972, Koufax was elected to the Baseball Hall of Fame just weeks after his 36th birthday. His election made him the Hall's youngest member ever elected, five months younger than Lou Gehrig upon his election in 1939. Though because the 1972 induction ceremony was nearly eight months after the election, Koufax's age at induction was slightly older than Gehrig's, making Gehrig the youngest player ever inducted. On June 4th of that same year, Koufax's uniform number 32 was retired alongside those of Dodger greats Roy Campanella and Jackie Robinson. The Dodgers hired Koufax to be a minor league pitching coach in 1979, which he resigned in 1990, saying that he was not earning his keep, but most observers blamed it on his uneasy relationship with the manager, Tommy Lasorda. Koufax returned to the Dodger organization in 2004 when the Dodgers were sold to Frank McCourt. In 1999, the Sporting News placed Koufax at number 26 on the list of baseball's 100 greatest players. That same year, he was named at one of the 30 players on the Major League Baseball All-Century team. Although he rarely makes public appearances, he went to Turner Field in Atlanta for the introduction ceremony before Game 2 of the 1999 World Series. Currently, Koufax serves as a member of the advisory board of the Baseball Assistance Team, a nonprofit organization dedicated to helping former major leaguers, minor leaguers, and Negro League players through financial and medical difficulties. On January 23, 2013, the Dodgers hired Koufax as a special advisor to the team chairman, Mark Walter.
Koufax worked with the pitchers during spring training and will consult during the season. On July 14, 2015, before the All-Star Game in Cincinnati, Koufax was introduced as one of the four best living players as selected by fans of Major League Baseball, along with Willie Mays, Hank Aaron, and Johnny Bench. He threw the ceremonial first pitch to Bench. And now at the end of the day, Koufax will go down as one of the greatest left-handed pitchers of all time, but it's crazy to think how much he pitched through pain. He only played for 12 seasons. You wonder how good of a pitcher he could have been if his career lasted 5 or 10 more years. Thanks for listening to the Sports with Luke podcast. Have a player you'd like to be the next subject? Let me know on Instagram and Twitter at Sports with Luke podcast. Keep an eye out for next week's episode where we talk about Willie Mays. Willie Mays.